How effectively are you using Google Analytics? Welcome to Digital Marketing Radio, episode 176. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Broadcasting live on the Digital Marketing Radio Facebook page. This is the weekly show that prizes actionable advice from today's top digital marketers. Sign up to watch the next show live at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain Hello, I'm David Bain, and today I'm joined by an experienced trainer and conference speaker who specialises in providing Google Analytics consultancy and services. Welcome to DMR, Dara Fitzgerald. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. Good to have you here, Dara. Well, you can find Dara over at um, measurelab.co.uk. So, Dara, is Google Analytics the right analytics software for the majority of businesses, would you say? I think so. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think even more so um, than maybe before. So I think historically, maybe one of the one of the questions people were asking um, was, was Google Analytics good enough for enterprise level businesses? So so the larger organizations. Um, and I think maybe back in the day it, it wasn't. Um, so there are some limitations, obviously, with Google Analytics, particularly when it was only a free product. Um, so since then, they've introduced the premium version. And I think now they're kind of covering both ends of the market. And there's a happy medium there as well. So I think people can get a lot out of the free version. Um, and then really when they're pushing that to its extreme, they can start to put a business case together for the for the, the enterprise version if and when they need it. So yes, I think, and I'm probably a bit biased um, because it's it's what I do. Uh, but I definitely think Google Analytics is is a is is, a, is certainly a strong candidate for being the primary analytics tool for most businesses today. I remember before Google Analytics and using StatCounter. Uh, does oh. that? <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, bad memories. <laughs> <laughs> bad memories. Just bad memories. Yeah, yeah. even <laughs> Google Analytics itself used to be Urchin back in the day. Yes, and then it's it's changed a lot since then, which is which is a good thing, thankfully. So. Like getting started, um, how many businesses don't even have their GA scripts installed correctly? Because it's what we do. So a big part of what we do is, um, so we work, we work across the board, um, but the first touch point for us with our clients usually is around implementation and configuration um, because that's where the, the common problems tend to happen. And obviously, if you're not collecting the data correctly in the first place, you can't really use it effectively. So um, we find more often than not that there's, um, there's always issues, and it's probably the same with anything. Um, anybody can look at something from the outside and find problems. Um, but in terms of kind of fairly serious issues, it's probably about 50% of, right. of, the, of the accounts we would look at. We would find something um, that at the very least is holding back that client from, from, from effectively using the data. So it might not be something catastrophic, but there's certainly going to be something that, that that's not been set up correctly that could be hampering them in terms of actually making improvements to their campaigns or to their websites. So, um, more often than not. And it's partly, I think, still goes back to, there's still a little bit of a, a misconception, I think, um, certainly for people using the free version. I think they think, um, in some cases, not everybody, um, but sometimes it's seen as being something that because it's free, you can just throw it on the website and then it's going to work perfectly just like that. Um, but it's like anything, you get out what you put in. Um, and I think um, if you put the time into the implementation and the configuration, um, then it can be uh, it can be a really powerful tool, but I think too many people still just think you know it's a bit of code. You chuck it on the website, and then everything's going to be perfect from there on out. Um, and obviously, life doesn't work that way. <laughs> so is it always best to use Google Tag Manager to install the script, or is just getting the script directly on the site fine as well? 
We um, we'd always advise um, again. We we would favor Google Tag Manager. It's what we tend to work with. Um, being a Google partner, um, we'd obviously favor um, using Google Tag Manager. And also again, the fact that it is it is free. Um, but using some tag management solution, I think these days, particularly again, if if it's a fairly um, large organization, or or even if it's not necessarily that large, but if if it's somebody who's doing a lot of different marketing advertising activity and have a lot of tags to manage. Um, obviously, the benefit of using something like Google Tag Manager is it puts the control in the hands of the marketing team rather than getting tied up in in development cycles and having to use external developers or get the IT team involved. So um, certainly for the more straightforward tag changes, it can be managed by the marketing team. So uh, we would always advise using Google Tag Manager or an equivalent um, to manage the tags wherever possible. Great. Okay. And what are the things need to be done in the setup process in order to take full advantage of all the the reports that Google Analytics can offer? I, th- I think that falls into kind of two categories from, from my experience. So there's there's uh, kind of things that are implemented incorrectly or things that need to be kind of taken into consideration when you're implementing new tags or, or, or updating the tags that you have. And then the other side of it um, is more around actually making use of all of the features so the two kind of problems we see, they fall into those two categories. Either something's set up wrong or something isn't uh, implemented or isn't enabled in the first place. So on the kind of incorrect side of things, um, the most common we see is where people don't have their their channels or the campaigns tagged up correctly. And that can either be a bit of an inconvenience, which isn't the worst thing in the world, where maybe campaigns are inconsistently tagged and it makes it a little bit difficult just to kind of properly um, go down to that granular level, figure out which campaigns are working best. Um, but more seriously, uh, we've seen plenty of examples where somebody might be, for example, uh, incorrectly tracking paid search traffic as organic or incorrectly um, tracking um, or, or or not tracking something like uh, display activity or email activity, and then it can show up as a referral or as direct traffic. Um, so on the, on the kind of incorrect tracking side, it's those kind of issues. Um, but probably more importantly, it's not making use of some of the new features that are available. So um, not every company can employ um, Google Analytics experts. So it tends to fall into being a little bit of everybody's job within a lot of organizations. So not everybody has a chance to keep up with with, with the pace of change. And with Google Analytics, the changes are happening thick and fast these days. So things like um, enhanced e-commerce, for example, uh, which has been around a while now, and there's still a lot of e-commerce businesses which haven't actually implemented the enhanced e-commerce configuration. So uh, it's taken advantage of all of the features, I think, is probably a, a more common issue that we see. So people go for the, you know, I don't want to say bog standard, but the kind of bit closer to the out of the box. Uh, they don't necessarily take advantage of all of the functionality that's available within GA. And what about this um, not provided malarkey? Um, is that... Um... Is it still possible nowadays to actually get um, a level of um, reasonable organic search keyword information out of Google Analytics or are, are those days gone? I mean, from from my perspective, my personal opinion is that those days are pretty much gone. So one thing uh, Google Analytics have done recently is they've improved the, um, I'm still going to call it Webmaster Tools, but I think it's called <laughs> Search Console, yeah. <laughs> my brain hasn't updated yet. I'm still thinking of it as Webmaster Tools. Um, so they've improved the integration with Search Console. 
So the query data is available within Google Analytics, but the trouble is you don't get that fully joined up to the session data that you have within GA. So you can get an idea of the, the queries that are, are kind of generating impressions and clicks through to the website, but you don't get to carry that all the way through to conversion like you could do previously. Um, and obviously that's not a Google Analytics issue. That was on the Google search side that they decided to start encrypting those keywords. So um, it wouldn't matter if you were using Adobe or um, any other analytics package, you'd be, you'd be suffering from the same issue. Um, and, that, and that's down to the, the, you know, the mean people at Google search <laughs> to, to start encrypting all that data. So is it um, really important to set up Search Console, search console data sharing um, with Google Analytics? I mean, it is um, definitely. I think it's 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 an integration that's provided, and um, you know, it's 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 a couple of clicks is all it takes. So, it would be crazy not to link the two together. Um, but the caveat there, I think, again, that I've kind of mentioned, is the fact that it doesn't give you that full experience of 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 search query impression right the way through to who's converted and who hasn't. So there's still a gap there. Um, so I think it's combining that information. Um, maybe looking at other information as well, like where organic traffic is landing on the site, um, what content people are consuming, whether they're converting or not, um, and then maybe breaking that down with other data, like the demographics data that you get in GA, uh, which is another thing that needs to be enabled. Um, so I think it's kind of building a bigger picture as opposed to the old days where it was very much focused around around keywords and what keywords were converting, which ones weren't. If you haven't got a whole lot of time and you want to take advantage of um, certainly a lot of the data inside Google Analytics, what are a few of the more essential reports that you recommend um, making sure that you're aware of? So it partly depends on, on, on the nature of the website, I think. So the, one of the beauties of Google Analytics, again, is that it's, it's, it's kind of applicable to everybody. So, so different types of businesses will use it for different, different reasons. I think for me, um, one of the one of, one of my favourite sets of reports within Google Analytics is the multi-channel funnels reports. Um, not that easy to say sometimes. <laughs> so the the benefit there is it's letting you look beyond just last click attribution, which is the standard attribution model used within the acquisition reports in Google Analytics. So the kind of standard model you threw out, um, and I think the. The benefit there is it lets um, people see value of channels that maybe appear a bit earlier on in the in the buying process. So things like social media, display, um, even things like uh, generic, if you're bidding on, on, on more generic keywords, and things that would look as though they have a bad conversion rate. Um, and I think a lot of businesses, again, this is from, from my experience, um, even though everybody accepts that last click attribution modeling is 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 heavily flawed and, and definitely not the, the, the right way to go. Um, coming up with a kind of complex attribution model can take a lot of time and a lot of money. Um, so a good kind of in-between measure is to actually use the multi-channel funnels reports in GA to start to build a picture of what channels work well together, what campaigns work well together, um, and maybe which ones aren't getting the value that they deserve simply because they, they play a different role. They're not intended to be a, a kind of direct response channel and they're not going to get the conversion there and then but they might have quite a, a positive influence on, on, on that user's journey. Um, and then they'll come back and convert through something like an affiliate or a brand term later on in the, in, in the journey. And it's important to set up email reports as well. And if so, what ideally should be included within there? Um, yeah. So do you mean in terms of getting data out of GA, so having something delivered on a week? Yes, and having something automated uh, delivered to you or your manager on a, on a regular basis? 
Yeah, I think it is. And I think the, the, the functionality directly within GA, so you can build your own dashboards and then you can schedule emails to be sent. Um, I think that's really useful. And I think for a lot of people that does the job, um, if that fails and if it's not flexible enough or you can't get enough of the right kind of data, um, something else that I think is is, is underused by, by um, certainly a lot of Google Analytics users is actually getting the data out through the reporting API. Um, so for people who like to work within spreadsheets or even within kind of other data reporting or data visualization tools, BI tools, that kind of thing, you can actually extract the data out of Google Analytics um, into your own uh, spreadsheets, dashboards, whatever, and um, whatever works for you. So there's two ways to go. There's the kind of simpler approach, which is to create dashboards within GA and then have them scheduled to be emailed out to people. Um, or if your requirements are a bit more complex, you can go down the API route and actually have a lot more control over what data you see, um, how often it's delivered, how it's manipulated. You can slice and dice it whatever way you want, really. Now, when you log into Google Analytics nowadays, um, the first thing that you see in the top left-hand side um, is intelligence events. So how does that differ to setting up goals, for example? So the intelligence events are using um, like a Google algorithm effectively. So they're looking at the data across all accounts um, and trying to determine what they feel is something that you might want to be told about. So some of it can be really useful. It can tell you that you've had a big uh, increase in email traffic um, which I suppose if you ha if that was the alert, you'd probably already know because you'd be able to tie it back to what, what campaign it was. Um, but let's say instead it was if you're an international business and you suddenly get a, an influx of traffic from Singapore, um, that might be something that you can then respond to. Uh, so it's looking at all of your data and it's trying to determine what's significantly different from what happened before. So it'll have an expected value for all of your different metrics and dimensions. And if something changes drastically, it will alert you to that. Um, that's the intelligent alerts. You can also set up your own custom ones as well. So if you wanted to, for example, be told if your if your conversion rate dropped by 50% day on day or week on week, um, you can set them up a bit more around troubleshooting rather than um, just general uh, alerts about things that have changed that could be good or bad. Um, so you can have a little bit of control over them as well and set up your own custom alerts. And something also see in the audience section is cohort analysis. What's that about? Yeah, so th this is one, uh, you'll notice it has those famous, uh, the famous word beta, mm. however you want to say it next to it, um, which uh, to me usually means it's, it's, it's very much a work in progress. And, it, and it's definitely the case with the, with the cohort reports. So I think it's something that's going to become a lot more, more important than Google Analytics. Um, at the moment, it's a little bit limited in terms of what you can do. The idea with it at the moment is that you can start to group users based on when they were first acquired, so when they first visited the website, and then you can see things like their loyalty. So how many of those users came back, you know, one day, two day, one week, two weeks after that first visit. So I think it's something they'll build out further um, in time. Or at least I'm hoping they will, because it would be nice to have that a little bit more integrated with the segmentation that you can do within GA, because I think if you could start to group people based on um, acquiring them through a certain campaign, um, that's pretty powerful. And then you can either remarket to the ones who didn't convert, or you can just include that data within segments and start to better understand them compared to other groups of users. Um, but at the moment, I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's as is often the case with, with, with the Google products, it's here's something we're going to be working on. Here's our first stab at it. Uh, watch, watch this space. So does that mean that it's probably not right for the majority of people listening to this to check cohorts analysis out at the moment? 
I think so. And that's the feedback even I get. That's 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 because it's one thing me saying it, but that's the feedback I get from from clients as well. They're saying, you know, they want to start doing cohort analysis. Um, but the the that particular report within the audience section, there's not a lot more you can do with it than what you see on face value. Um, and there is a lot more you can do now, even within segmentation um, within GA. So if you want to start building segments of users based on, you know, first interacting with a certain campaign or around a certain time period, you can do that. But that just that one particular report, I think um, it is a case of what you see is what you get at the moment. But I think it's going to be something that's that's going to get built out further. Um, what about features that people should be using, but you tend to see that they're not using at the moment for whatever reason? One of the features that I think is underused, that's really, really powerful. Um, in fact, there's, there's two and they're, they're kind of linked in a way. Um, it, the first one is custom dimensions and metrics. So um, this is something people were crying out for for a long time. So um, the fact that Google Analytics is is so ubiquitous and it's on, uh, I don't know how many websites around the world it's on. Um, They've done a pretty good job at coming up with something that's fairly universally um, suitable to most businesses. But obviously, everybody's got their own um, metrics and dimensions that are important to their website only that maybe doesn't work for anybody else. Um, so you can actually create your own custom dimensions and metrics. Dimensions probably are, are the ones that tend to have more use cases. Um, so it's for things like if you wanted to track things like a customer ID, um, or things like a login status. So is somebody logged in or logged out? Uh, or you might have, if you're, if you're a blog, you might want to track the author. If you've got lots of different authors writing, writing content across the site. So it's anything that's specific to that website. Um, and what we tend to see is people either aren't using this feature at all, or they're using it, but they're not using it to its, its full potential. So they might have, somebody have messed around with it and kind of created a couple of test custom dimensions, but they're not really actively using it for something that's important to the business. Um, and I think what, what what often happens is is there's these really critical business metrics um, or KPIs that are are being tried to kind of hack together outside of GA. And sometimes um, it could be a simple case of actually tracking them into GA, um, and, and that's just not being done. Um, so that's 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 one of the first things we tend to do with new clients is say, well, actually, what are the metrics that are important to you? Don't worry about just what's inside GA, what's actually important. And then we can look at whether they belong within Google Analytics. Um, it's not always the case. Sometimes actually it's better to go the other way around and extract data out of GA and then link that up somewhere else like in a CRM. Um, but but often it is a case that that it's good to get that data into Google Analytics because that's what everybody within the business is using to to measure performance. Um, and then the other feature that I, I said was kind of linked um, is the data import feature. So if you have something that doesn't necessarily sit, some, some data that doesn't get collected directly on the website, you can actually pump data into GA um, from a just from a simple CSV file. Um, and what that can be useful for is things like if you do have a CRM and you have a lot of extra data around your users, as long as you have some kind of customer ID that's consistent, you can then import extra data against that customer ID within into Google Analytics. So you can start to better sync up Google Analytics with your with your other not just other analytics tools, but with um, you know, with the CRM or with any other data that you hold uh, on your users or on your products or whatever outside of GA as well. So for me, they're the first two that come to mind, custom dimensions and data import. 
that's great advice there. I know you could um, talk for 24 hours on Google Analytics, but um, I'm not going to hold you to, to do that, so don't worry. But, but I, th- I think that's given the listener just one or two things to to think about and, and go away and research further in Google Analytics. And if that's the case, then I think that's you served your purpose, certainly for, uh, for that part of the uh, discussion. But um, in the second part, um, we're going to be asking um, Dara about the software that he couldn't live without. But um, first of all, I'd like to tell you about a free online uh, digital marketing conference that I'm going to be speaking at soon called Digital Olympus. It's going to be held on Tuesday the 6th of December and it'll run the whole day long with speakers like Laura Crimmins from Branded3, Michael Stricker from MS Design and Laura Hogan from Rice Media. It really is to a not-to-be-missed event. This is the third one that's happening. I watched the first one and I co-hosted the second one and so I highly recommend that you checking the third one out. So to find out more, uh, just go to digitalolympus.net. And um, Dara, am I right in thinking that you spoke at the first one as well? Uh, I didn't. I you didn't? Think. Okay. I'm trying to think now if I did or I didn't. Um, <laughs> Another chat with a glorious beard, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses on Dara's thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So, Dara, what software do you currently use in your business, maybe apart from Google Analytics, that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Oh, so me personally, I I tend to take uh, quite a minimalist approach to software. Um, But there are a few pieces of, of, there are a few products, few tools um, that we use that we definitely couldn't live without. I think um, if I kind of categorize them, so... Uh, internally, for, for for kind of chat between between the team, we use Slack, um, and it's it, it's brilliant. I think if, if anybody doesn't use Slack or hasn't used Slack, you should definitely try it out. Um, it, it can be a distraction at times, so we have various different channels. We have um, silly ones like Random, where um, literally it could be it could be anything, um, and that's often the busiest channel we use. Um, but then it gets serious as well, so we've one for each client. And it's all internal, um, but we use it for for chat between us. Even though we're all sat in the same office, um, when we've all got our heads down, earphones in, um, it can be useful just to to chat with Insta Messenger. So so we use Slack, and 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 it it, it does aid productivity. I think it, not always, but it does overall. Um, so definitely Slack. Uh, with clients, uh, we have our own software that we've built called My Measure Lab, and it's a I guess it's a project slash client management. Um, very much a work in progress and something we're gonna we're gonna keep working on. Um, so we couldn't live without that. It, it it's made us a lot more efficient since we since we introduced that. Um, and then if I can if I can give a third one, um, we recently started using GoSquared on our own website uh, for the live chat and real time analytics. And it, it's great because we can catch people at the time when they're maybe looking at our training pages, um, and often they'll have questions around you know, what's going to be covered, dates, pricing, that kind of thing. Um, and rather than expecting them to phone up or, or contact us by email, and there might be a delay, we can actually reach out to them there and then, um, which has been great for converting leads. So um, again, it can be a, an odd thing. It can be a bit of a distraction because you end up sitting there looking at who's on the website and, and waiting for a chance to, to talk to somebody. Um, but it's it's been really effective, so uh, I think that's that's one we're definitely going to going to keep using. Sorry, that last one was Go Squared, was it? Go Squared, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure if I've come across that one, so that's uh, great to. Yeah, really good. Lovely. Okay, well, here's a slightly more challenging question, and that is, what piece of software 
don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to bring this one back to the Google Analytics universe. Uh, I'm a bit of a one-trick pony, I think. That's so okay. I, uh, my mastermind specialist subject. Um, so about six months ago, um, you probably heard this, Google Analytics announced the Google Analytics 360 suite. suite. Yes. Bit of a mouthful. Um, so uh, part of that says it's six products in total and two of them um, are brand new. Well, three of them are brand new, um, but two of them we haven't had a chance to explore yet. One is Audience Center 360, which is Google's data management platform. Um, and the other one that we haven't had a chance to try out is Attribution 360, which used to be a dormitory. They've renamed it. Um, and they're two potentially really powerful tools. Um, and we just haven't had a chance to, to, to get our hands on those yet. So um, I think they're the two for me that I'm quite excited to, to get a look at under the hood and um, start playing around with. So is this a paid service you're talking about or a free service? Yes. So, um, yeah, they're both, they're both paid services. Um, so for us, from our perspective, we'd be looking um, to use them on client websites. It's not something we'd ever run on our own website. Um, but with Audience Center, it's not actually fully released yet. I think there's a limited number of companies who are a part of the trial. Um, Attribution 360, as I say, was called Odometry, and that's been around for a while, but it's it's definitely on the on the enterprise end of things. And even with that, um, it's 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 on the higher end of things. So um, it's not something that many businesses will be using. So uh, we're itching to get a get a, a look behind the. But um, at the moment, we're, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're behind the curtain, in front of the curtain, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You're near the curtain, yes. <laughs> uh, so great. Okay, I'll include um, all the links to your recommendations in the episode show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. But let's move on to... I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Ooh, it's, hard, it's hard to say in a way because... Um, you know, you learn all those lessons along the way and you, you, you kind of don't know what you don't know. You can't remember how stupid you were. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, oh, I can definitely remember. Don't worry. Um, I, I think probably if I look at it from what, what we've kind of learned um, with Measure Lab so far, um, I, I think the, the biggest thing we learned probably um, in, in, in our in a kind of first year or so um, was to start kind of moving it away from being just about... So Measure Lab started as myself and Mark Mark, my business partner, um, and we kind of did everything in the beginning. And I think it took us a while to realize that actually we'd be much better off um, growing a team, focusing a bit more on Measure Lab being a brand rather than just being a couple of individuals. Um, so we were a little slow, I guess, looking back in hindsight to realize that. Um, not sure if we could have done anything differently, but I, I guess if we if we had maybe started uh, growing the team a little earlier, then maybe we'd be slightly further along now. Um, but I definitely think that's the piece of advice I would give to somebody who's starting out um, is don't think you can do everything yourself. There's always going to be people who are a lot better than you. Um, and if you can try and find those people and nurture them, then you're going to end up with a, a more successful business at the end of the line. And even if you are a lot better than everyone else, you don't have the time to do everything yourself. So you still won't grow your business. There is that as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're too modest to say that. Yes. <laughs> well, well, let's say modest, yeah. <laughs> the this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions, just 
two rows here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So use it wisely. Are you ready to go? Can I say neither? Or do I have to, do I have to pick one or the other? I don't think anyone said neither before. So try not to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter or Facebook? Facebook. Facebook or LinkedIn? LinkedIn. Mobile or desktop? Mobile. Email marketing or web retargeting? Web retargeting. Website or app? Website. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Quality or quantity? Quality. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Local marketing. <laughs> that wasn't so bad at all. You didn't um, have any both, let alone an either. So. <laughs> no, no, I had, I had a couple of them got me. I, I had to work hard to not think too hard about them. That's that's always good. Yes, um, that's the. Um, I, I've just changed these slightly um, over the last couple of episodes, and that's the last the the second LinkedIn over Facebook. Is that from a networking perspective or from an advertising perspective? Well, I think that that was one of the ones that I I, I kind of maybe thought a bit too much about. So when you asked uh, Twitter or Facebook, I was probably thinking uh, uh, maybe personally, and then when you asked Facebook or LinkedIn, I thought, oh, actually, or maybe it was Twitter or LinkedIn. Then I thought I better turn it back to more of a professional angle. Um, so. Yeah, I think I think LinkedIn for networking, um, yeah, general making business connections. I think I think it is good. Um, whereas it's it's probably not something I would say I could personally. I could certainly live without it. Um, but during, during the working hours, I think LinkedIn has its has its place for sure. Is there any this or that question that you can think of that you think I should be including as well? Oh, I'm trying to think of what would really stump people. Um, I think the paid search or SEO one was good as well because um, I think actually, in fact, I probably should have used my both on that. I don't know why I didn't. Um, but I think they're the kind of challenging questions like what, what, we're, what we're constantly talking about um, with our own kind of approach to marketing is 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 what's best use for, um, you know, it could be for certain, uh, you know, it could be different between whether you're looking to recruit people or look for clients, um, could be different between depending on, on whether it's um, trying to sell training or try sell services. Um, so I think anything that kind of makes people think, well, hang on, you know, I need both of those, or actually I'm not sure which one's better or worse, um, puts you on the spot a little bit. But I forgot I could say both, so I think I missed a trick there. The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? I think the latter is obvious, but anyway, <laughs> what would you spend it on? Uh, I say that, but funnily enough, you know, often it can be, um, it can be a challenge when you, despite working in, in, in marketing measurement, um, sometimes it can be difficult to turn that around on yourself. It's, it's sometimes easier to give advice than it is to take it. Um, but I take your point. Um, I, I think for rather than trying to spend the 10,000 on a, on a particular campaign or an advertising channel, um, I think what I would do, um, and, and, and Mark, my business partner would probably kick me if he was here and I said this, but I think I'd probably spend it on, um, taking the whole team away somewhere, um, you know, a, a cabin in, in, in the mountains somewhere or something, something like that. Um, and actually treat it as a, as a kind of a, a strategy trip. 
um, and we could all brainstorm um, maybe who are the who who are the kind of target customers we'd like to we'd like to bring on board and how should we approach them. Um, look at our services as well and look at how we could maybe improve them. Because um, I think for me, rather than just trying to go out there um, and, and pick that one campaign or, the, or, or that one event that's going to bring in business, um, I'd prefer to see us kind of focus internally a little bit more, um, work on how we can improve our services. Uh, and, and obviously it would improve morale as well because we'd have a bit of fun while we were away. So how would you use Google um, Analytics to track that? <laughs> Well, wouldn't, this is probably one of those times where uh, we would say actually Google Analytics wouldn't be the wouldn't be the way to go to measure it. Um, I think we'd measure that. We we would look to try and quantify it in some way. So I think it, the whole point of it would be we'd look to improve what we're offering, uh, maybe improve our processes, and ultimately uh, win business as well. So I think we'd probably measure it uh, when we got back to the office and decided to get serious again. We'd probably look at how many. Um, how many leads we, we generated from the ideas and then how many of those leads we convert into into new clients as well. Great stuff. My number one takeaway. So, Dara, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what would you say is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listener needs to take away and implement in their business? I think I think for me, it's, it goes back to what I was saying around how um, a lot of businesses still aren't using the full functionality within even the, the you know, the very powerful free version of Google Analytics. So I think for me, the one key takeaway is to actually push Google Analytics harder for your business. Um, don't just rely on the out-of-the-box solution. Uh, actually make sure you're fully aware of all of the features that are available. Pick the ones that are most relevant to your business and make sure you've got them implemented correctly and that you're actually using the data effectively as well. There's no point just adding extra data if you can't use it. Um, but if you focus in on, on on what features, what reports are most useful for whatever business you happen to be in, um, and then make sure you've got somebody or some people who can effectively use that data and actually drive improvement, because that's what it's all about. It's not just drowning yourself in data, but it's actually finding the data that's going to lead to insight that you can then action and, and, and actually lead to improvement. So um, slightly long-winded. No, <laughs> find the right data and build reports around it. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for a listener to find out more about you and what you do? Um, to find out about MeasureLab, it's measurelab.co.uk. Um, and on Twitter, it's at MeasureLab. I also have a Twitter handle at Dara Fitzgerald, but uh, it probably looks as though I'm dead on there because I don't know if I've, if I've tweeted in about two years probably. So uh, you're more than welcome to follow me, but don't expect much from me. <laughs> you never know. You might resurface um, at some point. Yeah, I'll surprise everyone. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, so thanks to get to Dara and thank you, dear listener, too. And if you have an opinion of what Dara shared today, tell us what you think. You can find the Facebook page at facebook.com slash digital marketing radio. And you can, of course, write a review on iTunes or any good other podcatcher. Or if Twitter's your thing, at David Bain is my handle. I'm not so dead, but uh, you never know what the future may hold. Um, plus, make sure you sign up to the mailing list at digitalmarketingradio.com and I'll let you know when we go live with the next show. But until we meet again, be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios. Thanks again, Dara. Great episode. Thank you.